بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار اسدت lecture title today is the ideology of al-qaeda and isis and the intent really behind this lecture is to address the doubts of two groups of people there are two groups of people whose doubts we can remove or destroy at one and the same time on the one hand we have the extremists the barbaric evil ignorant bloodthirsty savages who in islam we know as the khawarij the khawarij the kharijites or in other words those who revolt against the muslims against their rulers against their you know against their main body so on the one hand these people have an evil twisted understanding of islam founded upon ignorance founded upon following their desires founded upon faulty interpretations because they are not scholars and they never had scholars with them ever at the same time there are those who for whatever reason they see the actions of these people and we refer here to those who are non-muslims that are from the non-muslims a small minority who see the actions of these people on this side and either willingly or out of ignorance they ascribe to islam they think that this is islam and so you see these people whether journalists whether writers whether academics they will say that the islamic state is islamic that these people genuinely represent the islam brought by the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and so these two groups in reality both have an extremist understanding of islam In other words both of these groups have a faulty distorted warped understanding of what Islam actually is and both have their own agendas both have their own agendas so on the one hand these people the bloodthirsty ignorant barbarians and on the other on the other hand those people who genuinely hate Islam and we are speaking about a small minority of people who genuinely they hate Islam they hate Islam ideology because of ideological reasons and so whether they do it out of ignorance or whether they do it deliberately they want to portray islam that the essence of islam is what al qaeda and what isis are doing and so both of them proceed upon their own activities upon the same evil warped distorted fabricated understanding of what islam actually calls to and what islam is in reality what it really is is founded upon 
So with that objective in mind, with this objective, the objective being that we want to dispel these evil notions, we want to explain the origin of this ideology from a historical point of view, we want to explain that this ideology is fundamentally a war against Islam before it is a war against anybody or anything else. And uh, we will divide this lecture, inshallah ta'ala, into a number of different sections. First of all, I will read to you, just to get into the topic, I will read to you one prophetic tradition, and then one statement of a companion of the Prophet, and one statement from the great scholar Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. That will introduce us into the topic, it will lead us into the topic. Once we have got into this, then I will give a historical treatment of how these people arose, where they came from, what was the basic thinking and the idea in their minds, how did they separate from the main body of the Muslims, and all of the activities they were engaged in in that time. So this will be a history lesson. And all of this is basically in the time of the Prophet's companions. And then on that basis, this will be the second part of the lecture. And then on that basis, we will come and we'll, return, we'll come to the 20th century. And we will see how the ideology of Al-Qaeda and ISIS, where it came from, what, are its, what, what were its roots, who were the writers, what are the books, and so on and so forth. If we have the time to get to that stage. So to begin, وَبِاللَّهِ tawfiq, The Prophet wasallam. we believe he's a messenger of God. We believe that he was granted knowledge, some of the affairs of the knowledge of the unseen. From the affairs that, were to, that are to transpire amongst his nation. And we as Muslims believe that this is one of the numerous signs of the truthfulness of his prophethood. And from those many things which he prophesied, which he mentioned, was in this tradition that I'm going to read to you now, narrated by uh, Ibn Majah, and so he narrates that the Prophet Muhammad he said, there will appear at the end of time, there will appear at the end of time, a people who are young of age and foolish minded, they will speak with the best and most alluring speech that is spoken by people. And they will recite the Qur'an, but it will not go beyond their throats. It will not pass beyond their throats. They will pass out of Islam as the arrow passes swiftly through its game. Whoever meets them, let him kill them. For there is a reward for whoever kills them. This is one of many, many, many traditions of the Prophet, peace upon him, which, which we shall come to shortly, which speak about this band of people. Now, just to make it absolutely clear uh, uh, so that my, my statements are not misunderstood, this text, as the scholars explain when it says, whoever meets them, let him kill them, this is addressed only to the rulers of the Muslims. It is not addressed to me and you and any other person. This command here 
is only addressed to the rulers of the Muslims. It is upon the rulers of the Muslims to engage upon this task. That when these people appear with this ideology and with this turmoil, they are to mobilize themselves and to pursue these people and put an end to their evil. It is not for me and you to be, to be, you know, to be taking these, these words like this. So just to make that absolutely clear. Next, the statement of the Prophet's companion, Abu Umama al-Bahili. Radiallahu <coughs> anhu. He said, of these people, because these people, remember, they, they, they appeared in the time of the companions, and a lot of turmoil was spread. So he said about these people, the dogs, kilabu ahlinnar, the dogs of the people of hellfire. They are the dogs of the inhabitants of hellfire. They used to be Muslim, but they turned into non-believers. Now, when he was asked, because he made this remark, and the people asked him, are you saying this from yourself? Is this something from yourself? Or is this from the Prophet? And so he said, rather I heard this from the Prophet himself. I heard the Prophet himself say this. This means that the Prophet, this one, he described them as the dogs of the people of hellfire. And finally, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said, describing these people many centuries later, for these people, the Kharajites, the renegades, they strive to kill every Muslim who did not agree with their view. Every Muslim who did not agree with their view. Declaring the blood of the Muslims, their wealth, and the slaying of their children to be lawful, to be halal. While excommunicating them, while declaring them to be disbelievers, to be apostates. And they considered this to be worship due to their ignorance and their heretical innovation which caused them to go astray. So here are three statements from the Prophet, peace be upon him, and from a companion, Abu Umama, and from a great scholar, Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah ta'ala. So, let's now go and look at the historical roots and the origin of this ideology. And before we do that, before we go into that, let me just make it clear that in the Qur'an, there are many verses, there are certain verses that were revealed in connection to these very same people. Because as Muslims, we know a principle in the science of tafsir, in the science of explaining the Qur'an, that just because a verse of the Qur'an was revealed in relation to a particular situation, it does not, it does not mean that the meaning of that verse is restricted only to that situation. Rather, that verse can be applied to other situations which come under it, its general meaning or application. For that reason, for that very same reason, when these people appeared after the Prophet's death, after about 25 years, 25, uh, sorry, about yeah, 25 years, 25, 30 years, the companions of the Prophet applied certain verses of the Qur'an to these people. And from those verses in the Qur'an include the following, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, قُلْ say, هَلْ نُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِالْأَخْسَرِينَ أَعْمَالًا Say, shall we tell you of those who lose most, who are the losers with respect to their deeds? 
those whose efforts have been wasted in the life of this world whilst they thought that they were acquiring good. So here this is a characterization of these people. Those people whose deeds are vain and lost whilst they think that they are doing good and they, their, their efforts are basically wasted. Likewise, the verse in the Quran, There will be some faces that will come on the day of judgment. Some faces they will come having toiled, wearied hard, striven hard. And they will be humiliated having to... Uh, burn in the hellfire. And so the companions applied this verse to these extremist barbarians. Likewise, the verse in the Quran, That when they deviated because of a sickness in their hearts, obviously, then Allah caused them to deviate. And finally, the fourth verse, uh, which is in Surah Al-Baqarah, those who break the covenant of Allah. الَّذِينَ يَنْقُضُونَ أَحْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مِثَاقِهِ Those who break the covenant of God after it has been ratified and they cut off and they sever what Allah has ordered to be joined and they commit mischief upon the earth. They are the ones who are the true losers. You can see that these verses are very powerful, very strong, and they condemn the people who fell into these actions. And the companions of the Prophet applied these verses to these people. And as we know, the understanding of the Qur'an, the understanding of Islam, we have inherited that from the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him. So this is how they describe these people. Now who are these people? Why did they arise? And what was their motivation. Now this is where we go to the history lesson. And it is very, very important for us to always understand the great lessons in history because through history we understand, we, you know, we understand the realities of the, of, of the affairs. So, the origin of these people, the origin of these people as the scholar Ibn Kathir, he said, that the Kharijites, the renegades, they appeared on account of a worldly reason. It was a reason to do with the world, had nothing to do with the religion. It was purely on material grounds. And so when they appeared, they had issues with the rulers in relation to the matter of wealth. They wanted the wealth to come to them. Because they did not like the way that the rulers were distributing or disposing of wealth. And for that reason, we will see in what proceeds, they came out against the Prophet of Islam. And they came out against the most righteous of the Prophet's companions, Uthman radiallahu anhu, they assassinated him. And Ali radiallahu anhu, they assassinated him. And they tried to assassinate the main rulers of the Muslims in that time, Muawiyah in Syria. 
and Amr, uh, Amr bin al-As in Egypt. So they came out against the Prophet himself and the caliphs, Uthman and Ali, and likewise the main rulers of the Muslims in the, in, in the lands at that time. So, we start then with an incident in the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him himself, where some wealth came, and he was distributing this wealth to a number of tribes. And we know that the Prophet, peace be upon him, a Prophet of God, he is just in his speech, he is just in his deed, he is just in his dealings, and for whatever wisdom and reason, he distributed this wealth to certain tribes. As he was distributing, there was a group of discontented people, and they made certain remarks. One of those men, this, this man is, is, is known, his, his name is well known, he was known as Dhul Khuwaysara At-Tamimi. This was his name. So he represented a group of people who were discontent with the fact that the wealth did not come to them. And so one of them, he said, he came to the Prophet and he said, Be just, O Muhammad. I'dil, ya Muhammad. He ordered the Messenger of God to be just. What does this imply? It implies that the Messenger of God is being unjust. He is oppressive. Another one, he said, We are more worthy of this wealth than they are. And another one said, This distribution is a distrib- distribution by which the face of God is not being sought. Meaning, that, meaning to, to accuse the Prophet, peace be upon him, of not sincerely seeking the face of God, to please God, in this distribution that he is making. Now the Qur'an judged this individual to be a hypocrite, meaning that this man was not a Muslim. Because in the Qur'an we see, Allah says, وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يُلْمِزُكَ فِي الصَّدَقَاتِ Amongst them, and this whole passage is in relation to the hypocrites, amongst them is one who rebukes you or finds fault with you on account of the charities. So this man was not even a Muslim. And the scholars are agreed, as Shaykh Fusnabi Taymi says, that this man was a man from amongst the hypocrites. Now, as the scholar, the Salafi scholar Ibn Uthaymeen mentions, that in the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, this ideology was present. But the difference was that these people never took up arms. They were not able to take up arms. But the idea was present. And there were certain remarks made by certain people at different times. And the, the, the intent behind it was, was to display their discontentment, their belief that they had been wronged. Their belief that the wealth should come to them. But they could not outwardly and practically manifest anything because the circumstances did not allow them to do that. So the origin of this ideology, what is the basic principle here? Social injustice. We have been wronged. We have not been treated equally. Wealth has not come into our pockets when we deserve it. The ruler, in this case the Prophet peace upon him, has been unjust. He is tyrannical. Right? This is the general thinking in the minds of these people. And as you will be aware, as you should note, that this way of thinking, as many of the scholars have pointed out in our times, that this way of thinking is identical to the thinking of the Marxists and the communists 
and the socialists and those who were behind many of those revolutions in Europe in the 19th and the 20th century. What was the, what was the basic ideology? Social injustice. Capitalism where the wealth is being hoarded. We have to remove these evil people. We have to redistribute the wealth amongst everybody equally. Equally. This basic idea, you can see, it is parallel to the ideas of the Marxists and the socialists and the communists. Now, the reason why I've made this point here at this stage is because this is connected to why and how this ideology appeared in the 20th century, in the 19th, 20th, 21st centuries. So keep that in mind. The basic idea, the basic concept, the basic principle is discontent in matters of wealth. It is purely a worldly thing. And then this is covered and clothed in the religion. In the religion. Now, the Prophet, peace be upon him, as these men or this man, as he made this remark, some of the companions became very angry. And as the man walked off, as he walked off, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, in those traditions which have become famous and well known, he said, from the loins of this man, from the offspring of this man will appear a people. There will come a people. And they will leave the religion as an arrow passes through its game. They will speak with the best speech of creation. They will be young. And he mentioned many other statements. They are young and foolish in their minds. They recite the Quran. It does not go beyond their collarbones or their throats. They are the most evil of the creation. They are, they are the most evil of those killed beneath the canopy of the sky. Wherever you find them, kill them. They are the dogs of hellfire. They will never cease to appear until they appear with the Antichrist at the end of time. These are some of the statements of the Prophet, peace be upon him. He even said that if I was to reach these people, I would slaughter them like the slaughtering of the nation of Ad. A nation of the past, a biblical nation of the past who had been destroyed by God by a terrible wind because of their iniquity. So he said, I would destroy them like God destroyed that nation. So all of these traditions are well known to the scholars of the Muslims. They are in the books of the Muslims. They have been so for over a thousand years, for 13, 1400 years. This is common knowledge to the Muslims. But it is not common knowledge to the non-Muslims because they have not experienced, except in the past two decades, the turmoil these people, these barbarians, have been bringing upon Islam and its people and its lands. So, now, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he prophesied that these people would appear. He prophesied many things, in fact, many specific things which came true exactly to the detail. The fact that they will appear at a certain time, and the fact that they will kill, you know, a particular caliph, the Uthman, anhu, and all those details. We won't go into all those details because we we are restricted for time. And so, what we'll what we'll do is uh, explain some of the the the, the, the things which happened uh, when they appeared in a very very uh, brief and concise way, and then go on to mention their traits and characteristics. So, as you can see from these traditions. The basic idea was present, discontentment in matters of wealth. It came from those who were hypocrites. They did not really have faith in their hearts. 
But the idea never really took off because these people couldn't practically you know, implement that idea. But in the time of the Caliph Uthman, anhu, this now is 25 years after the death of the Prophet, peace be upon him. There began to be certain murmurings in different regions of the Muslim lands, in Egypt, in Kufa, in Basra. And this was led, these murmurings were led, or this discontentment was led by an individual known as Abdullah bin Sabah. He would go around to the different places and say, Why is Muawiyah, why is this ruler, why, why, why is he hoarding all the wealth? Doesn't he know that this wealth belongs to the Muslims? So he would go to different parts and start spreading these same doubts about wealth. Wealth being hoarded. People giving positions in power. People, you know, by the ruler Uthman and his delegates. So he, so he would send letters from Egypt to Kufa, Kufa to Basra, in different places, stirring up this discontentment amongst people, whom the scholars later described that they were just the ruffians and the barbarians, and just the, you know, the, the riffraff. But he managed to do this. And the aim was to lead a revolution against the Caliph Uthman, radiallahu anhu. Eventually what happened is that these people conspired together that on the occasion of the major pilgrimage, the Hajj, in the year 35 Hijrah, they would descend upon the city of Medina, whilst most of the companions were doing Hajj pilgrimage in Mecca, meaning that it was vulnerable and they could easily go and fulfill their objective. So they came, they descended, 2,000 of them. They came from Iraq, from Basra, from Kufa, from Egypt, and they descended and they made a siege around the house of Uthman radiallahu anhu. And the siege lasted for about 40 or so days. Eventually, a group of them, five or six of them, they burst into the house of Uthman, and this Uthman was an old man of 80, at least 80 years of age. He was reading the Quran. They took him by the shirt and they tried to pull off his shirt. And they, pulled, they pinned him to the ground. And one of them jumped upon him and stabbed him with his knife nine times. Nine times. And they eventually, uh, you know, once they had assassinated him and had killed him, basically in this, in, in this unjust way, um, they, they remained in Medina because the companions were in Hajj. And they basically concealed themselves amongst the inhabitants of Medina, the assassins. So now this is the second point that we need to understand. This issue of revolt, of revolting, and accusing the rulers of injustice, and assassinating them and murdering them, and rousing the people against the rulers upon this ideology of social injustice. Right? We see again, who was it directed against? The leader of the Muslims. Uthman is the leader of the Muslims. Uthman is the head of the Islamic State. Who are these people? These people are a bunch of renegades, revolutionaries. And in fact, the Prophet specifically described this group of people who assassinated Uthman to be hypocrites. Because, he, because when he was alive, the Prophet he said to Uthman, 
that if the hypocrites try to remove your shirt from you, do not let them remove your shirt. This was actually a prophecy in the time of the Prophet an indication to Uthman that he would be killed unjustly. So, they killed Uthman. Then what they did is they lurked within Medina and remained within Medina and they concealed themselves. So the assassins were not really known. Now what happened is that news reached the relatives of Uthman and those who are from the family, from the tribe of Uthman. And there were demands made that we need to avenge Uthman. Where are these assassins? Who are they? Let's find them. Now you can imagine that this is a moment of great tribulation. It is a moment of great uh, calamity and even confusion. And so the Muslims from this point, two ways of thinking developed amongst them. The first way of thinking was that of Ali. Anhu. He wanted to establish stability. He wanted to establish stability. And once stability had been established, he wanted to pursue the assassins to avenge Uthman. But there was another group of companions who said, No, we have to pursue these people immediately. We have to identify them and we have to bring them to justice. Now this group of people, the revolutionaries, who'd hid themselves in Medina amongst the army of Ali and the, you know, the people present, they began to create sedition. To basically create... create basically, they, they tried to foment a civil war between the two groups of companions who had different approaches into how to bring these people to justice. Now, the story is long. I'm really, I'm really you know, keeping it as concise and brief as po- uh, possible. What they did is they instigated a number of wars by lurking within the army of Ali radiallahu anhu. There were two wars that took place and they were between the companions themselves as a result of these people. The first one is known as the Battle of the Jamal, the Battle of the Camel. And the second is known as the Battle of Sifin, the Battle of Sifin, which was between Ali and Muawiyah. So again, I'm leaving out a lot of details for the sake of brevity. But let's fast forward now to the Battle of Sifin. Remember, this element, this revolutionary element is now lurking, hidden amongst the Muslims and specifically amongst the army of Ali radiallahu anhu. So this battle takes place, which Safin, which is in Syria. Um, and as this battle, this battle itself is instigated by these revolutionaries and their turmoil. And there comes a point in which there is a call for arbitration. A call for arbitration that the two armies should really arbitrate with each other and put an end to the fighting. And so what happened is, Ali sent a companion from his side, and Muawiyah sent a companion from his side, to arbitrate in this issue of the battle. So they came together, and they came you know, to an agreement, and they decided to disband and to end the fighting. Now when this arbitration took place, this element that was present, lurking amongst the Muslims, the ones who, they're the, the very same ones who assassinated Uthman, they came out and they said to Ali, what have you done? You have just become a disbeliever because you have allowed men to judge in an issue that belongs only to Allah. Judgment belongs only to Allah. Remember this statement. 
The ruling is only for Allah. The judgment belongs only to Allah. Because this is a slogan of all of the khawarij, past and present. When you look today and you hear all of these groups, Ikhwanul Muslimun, Ikhwan Muslimun, Muslim Brotherhood, Hizbut Tahrir, Jama'atul Jihad, and all of these different Al-Qaeda, ISIS, what is their slogan? Judgment is for none but God. Judgment is only for Allah. And they utter this statement while being, whilst being ignorant of it. So they began to say this to Ali. They said to Ali, you have made men to judge in the affairs of, of, of men, which, which, which belong only for God to judge in. Now this is from their ignorance. This is a sign of their ignorance because in the Qur'an, Allah has allowed in many instances men to judge in the affairs and the disputes between men. When there's a dispute between a woman and her husband, Allah has commanded and said, bring an arbitrator from her side and an arbitrator from his side and let them judge in the issue. This shows that these people are ignorant. They do not understand the Qur'an because there was not a single companion of the Prophet amongst them. And this was the source of their misguidance. But they began to chant, Ali, what have you done? You have made men to judge in the judgment of God. You have become a disbeliever. You are an apostate. And Muawiyah, he too is an apostate. And everyone who agrees with you with this arbitration, they are apostates as well. And so they split, and they abandoned the army of Ali, and they went to a place called Harura. Harura. This is a place near Kufa in Iraq. 12,000 of them. 12,000 of them. And they split. Now, now this whole thing happened over many months and years. And as they broke off, they began to make threats against Ali. They, they began to uh, again accuse him of apostasy and heckle him and wrangle with him and do all these things. And there came a point when Ali anhu, he sent one of the, 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 the most knowledgeable companion by the name of Ibn Abbas anhuma, he sent him to debate with them and put an end to their arguments. So this companion went, he, they had three issues and he answered every issue from the Qur'an, he demolished their arguments and he noted some things about them when he went to them. He noted that, that they appeared to be worshipping a lot. They appeared to be reciting the Qur'an a lot. They appeared to be fasting. They appeared outwardly to appear pious. But this piety, as we have been told, is only neck deep. In fact, not even neck deep. It is on the tongue only. It doesn't go into their hearts. And he saw that they were ignorant and that there wasn't a single companion amongst them. He said to them, How come I do not see amongst you a single companion of the Prophet? And this shows their misguidance because they were not connected to the body of the Muslims. They were there to revolt against the, the, the Muslims in fact. So Ibn Abbas, he demolished each of their three arguments from the verses of the Qur'an. As a result, one third of them, four thousand of them, repented and recanted from this doctrine. But the remaining two thirds refused and they persisted upon their falsehood. Now at this point, Okay, fine. These people have a faulty understanding of, 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 of Islam. However, what these people began to do is, in fact, their first incident, what they did, 
is they came across a companion called Abdullah bin Khabbab. And they saw him walking along the bank of a river with the women of his household. So they went to him, they took him and they said, what do you say about Ali? They wanted him to agree with them that Ali was an apostate, a non-Muslim. And he said, Ali is the ruler of the Muslims. What do you want from me? And what they did is they took him to a place. And as they were taking him to a place, there were two incidents which happened. The first incident was that one of them, one of these khawarij, extremist renegades, he took a date from a tree and he ate it and it belonged to a Christian. So amongst themselves, the khawarij said, what have you done? You've committed a major sin. You've just disobeyed God. You've taken something that doesn't belong to you. And so this man who did this, he obviously, you know, uh, repented and, you know, felt some uh, guilt for what he did. Then as they went, one of them, they found a pig and he slaughtered the pig. And then the pig actually belonged to a Christian. And they again, they said, what have you done? This, this is unlawful. You have violated the right of a Christian. And you need to pay him uh, uh, compensation. Which is what he did. So these events were taking place as they were taking this companion to his slaughter place. So they took him and they tried to convince him that you must say that Ali is an apostate. And he refused. And he said, look, don't you think I'm more worthy? Don't you think my life is more worthy of being spared? Look at what you did. You ate a date wrongfully. You killed a pig wrongfully. You gave compensation don't you think that my blood is, is more worthy? I'm a companion of the Prophet. What have I done? But they didn't spare him. They, they, and as the narration goes, they put him on the bank of the river. They, they slaughtered him. His blood flowed into the river. And the woman who was pregnant, she, from, from his household, she pleaded with them, leave, leave us alone. They slaughtered her and they slaughtered the baby that was in her stomach. All of this is in the history books. As soon as these people did that, and news came to Ali, Ali realized then that these are the people that the Prophet peace upon him mentioned 25 years ago, that these people will appear at a time when there is civil strife between the Muslims. They will recite the Quran. It will not go beyond their throat. They will kill the Muslims. They will, and all the various other characteristics. He realized these are the people. So as soon as they shed blood, then he decided to put an end to their evil. Now, from Harura, these people went and they moved northwards and they went to a place called Nahrawan, which is 12 miles south of Baghdad in Iraq now. There these people set up their Islamic state. This was the Islamic state of the Khawarij. Thousands of them. Over the next two years, these people began to go out and recruit people. There were certain tactics and methods that they used to recruit people. And so this was, so basically this was a breakaway Islamic state. And their ideology was basically along the following lines. That the rulers of the Muslims, they do not dispose of the wealth in a just way. Therefore, it is haram upon you, it is unlawful upon you to give your wealth to those rulers. Because those rulers are apostates. They have left Islam. It is obligatory upon you to give us the wealth, to give us your zakah, give it to us. 
and we will distribute it justly. And if you ally with those people, you are apostates like them. If you remain under their rule, you are apostates like them. It is obligatory upon you to abandon them and to come and migrate to us in our Islamic state. Does this not sound familiar to you, Ya Ikhwan? Does this sound familiar to you? Is this, does this ring any bells to you? What you are hearing on the TV? What you are seeing from these people using Twitter, YouTube, social media, how to get to Iraq, steal from your parents? That's exactly what they were doing. They were saying, obviously in those days there wasn't Twitter, there wasn't YouTube, there wasn't social media, but whatever methods were present in those days of infiltration, going to the mosques, working in stealth, getting children to leave their parents in the middle of the night, to meet at a certain place and make their way to, Nahra, uh, to, to, to Nahrawan. This whole process was taking place over uh, two years. And they were building the numbers of their Islamic State under all of these pretenses. And so eventually, the time came when Ali, radiallahu anhu, eventually, he, and in fact, all of this was justified under the notion of enjoining the good and prohibiting the evil. This slogan. We are enjoining good and prohibiting evil. And we are establishing justice. And we are re-establishing Islam. Because Islam only exists with them. The companions are apostates. These are the students of the Prophet, peace be upon him. They are apostates, they are not upon Islam. Islam is with us and it is here in this place. And unless you migrate to us, you can never be a Muslim. This is the ideology. It is founded upon a matter of the world of wealth, but then clothed in religious rhetoric. This is the reality of this ideology. So, Ali radiallahu anhu, he went with his army, he went to Nahrawan, he fought against these people, and basically... He, uh, he fought them, he killed them, he put an end to them. However, from those who remained and from those who escaped, there were some who escaped to a part of Iraq, there were some who escaped to a place in Oman, there were some who escaped to a place in Egypt. This means that the seeds of this ideology, even though the Khawarij were cut off, they were cut off, the seed of this ideology remained. And it went to different parts of the Muslim nation, in Oman, in Egypt, in, you know, in, in Sham, in Iraq, in those areas. And from there it has remained, and it, is, it rears its ugly head every now and then in the Muslim nation, exactly as the Prophet, peace be upon him, mentioned in the, in the famous hadith of Ibn Umar, that the, he mentioned about the Khawarij, that they will appear. Every time they appear, they will be cut off. Every time they will appear, appear, they will be cut off. He mentioned this 20 times. And at the end he said, until the Dajjal, the Antichrist, appears amongst their armies. Amongst their armies. What does this tell us, my brothers and sisters? It tells us that these people are a scourge upon Islam upon the Muslims, upon their lands, they will never cease to appear. And their war fundamentally is against Islam and the Muslims and the rulers of the Muslims upon this evil, vile ideology. And so, 
now let's look. So now you have a, an understanding of the basic background as to how and why they appeared. I want to mention to you some of their traits and characteristics, about 20 or 30 in total, and I want you to relate everything to what you are seeing now from these barbarians of ISIS. So the first thing that they did, the first thing that those people did against the companions, number one, they forged documents. They, they forged documents against Uthman, against Aisha, anha, against some of the other companions, and they were trying to create a civil disobedience and civil war between the companions themselves. This is documented in the history books. So what I'm mentioning to here is from uh, the books of At-Tabari, uh, the, the Tariq of At-Tabari, likewise Ibn Saqir, Tariq Dimashq, likewise Ibn Kathir, Al-Bidayu and Nihaya. These are famous history books of the Muslims where all of these things are documented. So I'm going to just quickly mention some of the points, their traits and characteristics. So number one, forging documents against the companions of the Prophet in order to instigate clashes between them. Number two, they would come to Ali and they would address uh, to Uthman. And they would speak to Uthman and accuse him with Jewish names. Right? Like you see today, these, these, the, 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 these people, the Khawarij, the followers of Hizb tahrir the followers of Al-Muhajirun, the followers who support ISIS, what did they say about the Muslim rulers? This one is a Zionist stooge. And that one is a Zionist stooge. And this one is so-and-so. And this one is so-and-so. And this one is so-and-so. This very same thing happened. They would do this to Uthman radiallahu anhu. One of them came, this man. He came to Uthman and he said, he said stand up, O Na'thal. Stand up, O Na'thal. Na'thal was the name of a Jewish leader in that time. So to denigrate the Muslim ruler, they would, they would, they would use the likes of these, of these uh, you know, to, the, the, this behavior basically. And Uthman replied to one of them, one of them said to him, Oh, which, which religion are you following, O Na'thal, to Uthman? Meaning, which religion are you following, O Jew? Basically, that's what he's trying to say. So Uthman said, I am upon the religion of Islam, and I am not Na'thal. But I am the chief of the believers. I am Amir al-Mu'mineen. I follow Islam. I am not Na'thal. Right? But you see this trait that you see that, that they were doing then is the same thing these people are doing today. This is how they stir the emotions of the Muslims. They say, look at this ruler. He's, a, he's in the pockets of the Zionists. Look at this ruler. He's this, he's that, he's this, he's that. This is how these people work. They are ignorant people. And as, as you saw in the tradition of the Prophet, they speak with the best and most alluring of speech. They speak with speech which if a Muslim was to hear it, he would start believing it. It would start affecting him. It would play with his emotions. This is something that the Prophet said about them. And only a person who is ignorant of Islam, of its foundations, will be taken in by their rhetoric. Which means that ignorance of Islam is a fatal disease, my dear brothers and sisters. The third thing that they did was when they assassinated Uthman, radiallahu anhu, they looted his entire house. There was not a single thing left in his house, as we see narrated in the in the uh, Al Bidayah, that they uh, they they killed him and they left nothing in his house and took every single one of his possessions. So these people they loot. They're after wealth. They are motivated by the world. Number four, they began to spill off, uh, they began to cut off the roads of travel. 
meaning they spread fear in the society. They began to kill the companions until it spread amongst the people that if I am found traveling and these people come across me and they ask me, what do you say about this ruler? What do you say about that ruler? I fear that I will be killed. I fear that my family will be killed. I fear that my possessions will be taken. So they cut off the roots of travel. They spread fear in the society. Just like now you see in Iraq and in Syria and even in these lands, people are scared to travel. People are fearful of traveling. And this is what the scholar Al-Ajurri and others said about them, that the Khawarij are an evil, filthy, despicable people. Because they cut off the roads, they cut off the roots of travel. They affect the livelihood of whole societies and nations because they spread, spread fear and the people are afraid to travel. And because so many things are dependent upon travel, sustenance, food, transport, all of this is the livelihood of a nation and society. This is how evil these people are, as the scholars of the Muslims have, have, have explained. Number five, these people are motivated by personal reasons. It is personal. It is not the religion. Look at this man who jumped on the stomach of Uthman radiallahu anhu. We see in the narration. He, this person was called Amr bin al-Hamik. We know the names of these individuals. This is how precise is the, the Islamic history. He burst into the house of Uthman. He sat upon him. He stabbed him nine times in the chest. And then he said, three of these, three of these were for the sake of God. And six of them were for that which was in my chest. Meaning he had a personal grievance with Uthman radiallahu anhu. However, in reality, none of those stabs were for the sake of Allah. They were all for the sake of this devil, for this, uh, for this uh, evil person and his desires. So they are motivated by personal reasons. This is not the religion. They are not motivated by the religion. Because the Prophet said, the Qur'an does not go beyond their throats. Which means it cannot be for the religion. In fact, let me read to you a statement of Shaykh Ibn Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala. He said, he was asked a question about this hadith, about the statement of the Prophet, there will come a people at the end of time who depart from Islam as the spear passes through its game. We want you, O Shaykh, to explain to us what are their characteristics and how do they leave the religion. Listen to the speech of this Salafi scholar, Shaykh Ibn Uthaymeen, who died in the year roughly 1999-2000, he said, These Kharajites, whom the Prophet described, that they appeared to be people of obedience and worship, and that a companion of the Prophet would look at their worship, and even belittle his own worship compared to theirs. He said, all of this action does not go beyond their collarbones. All of this outward piety, this praying, this fasting, this crying, the marks on the forehead because of prostration, reciting the Qur'an, all of this does not go beyond their collarbones, meaning it does not descend down to the heart and refuge is from Allah. He says, if you were to investigate their hearts, you would find them black and hardened. Goodness does not reach them. And refuge is with Allah because their faith is outward only. Their faith is outward only. This has nothing to do with Islam. These people have got no connection with Islam. 
All of this is outward and a deception. And so, the fifth point then is that they are motivated by personal reasons. Number six is that all of these people are divided amongst themselves. Why? Because each of them are wanting to pursue leadership. In the time of the companions, what happened is that different groups, when they came to revolt against Uthman, one group came from Egypt, one group came from Kufa, one group came from Basra. And every group that came, they had a banner, and they were hoping that their leader would be the one who would become the leader of the Muslims. So they were competing for power. This is exactly what you see today amongst the Khawarij in Iraq and Syria. You have Jabhatun Nusra. They are fighting Al-Qaeda in Iraq or whatever. Then you have ISIS. They are fighting Jabha. Then you have the, you know, all of these groups, they are all upon the same ideology. They all have their roots in Al-Qaeda. But they are fighting and killing and slaughtering each other. Why? Because they want to be the ones who are going to be in control. They want the wealth to come to them. They want to have the authority. All of these people, Ya Ikhwan, they are motivated by the religion and they are divided amongst themselves. Number seven is they would recruit by way of stealth and they would encourage the Muslims to emigrate to them. We mentioned this already. They would go to the townships, whisper to the youth, encourage them to abandon their parents because their parents are apostates to steal from their parents, to find a way to travel. This is exactly what we see today through social media, through Twitter. We have people in this country, there are people in this country. You, you saw that program the other day of those women, those ignorant, stupid women from Hezbollah Tahrir, who are using social media, telling people, take wealth from your parents, buy a ticket, get to Syria. And then telling them how to do it. These are evil, filthy, despicable people. Violating the, 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 even the most basic fundamental values and principles of Islam. To disobey your parents is, is, the, is, is one of the greatest sins in the Qur'an. Allah mentions worshipping Him alone. Or in fact He mentions the prohibition of idolatry next to the prohibition of disrespect to the parents. How can these people encourage Muslims to steal from their parents, to steal from their wealth, to abandon them? This, 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 is, is, a, this is despicable behavior. But this is what these people were doing. They're doing it, they were doing it in the time of the companions in their breakaway Islamic state. The Islamic state was set up to counter the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Number eight. <coughs> They encouraged waging jihad against the Muslims and encouraged their slaughter. Now just reflect upon this. They gathered together. These people who were the leaders of this group, Abdullah bin Wahab al-Rasibi, was the name of their, main, of their main leader. Again, I want to emphasize that look at the preciseness of Islamic history. Islamic history, we know all of these details to such an amazing depth that we can go back and we can analyze these things. So this man, the leader of those Kharajites in the time of uh, Uthman and Ali, was a man called Abdullah bin Wahab al-Rasibi. He said, look at what he said. Uh, he said, basically they, 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 they gathered together in a house, they began to speak to each other, they began to bring verses of the Qur'an, encouraging, uh, uh, you know, uh, in joining good, prohibiting evil, 
And then one of them said, he said to the group, bear witness against the people from the people of our Qibla. Meaning bear witness against these Muslims who turn to our, our Qibla, our direction of prostration. That they have followed their desires. They have shunned the judgment of the book of God. They have transgressed in speech and deed. And waging jihad against them is a duty upon the believers. Which believers? Meaning them. They are the believers. And all of the Muslims, the companions of the Prophet and the general Muslims, it is a duty to wage jihad against them. And then they began in their ignorance to mention verses of the Qur'an to that effect. This is exactly the ideology of Al-Qaeda and ISIS. They are not bothered really fundamentally with non-Muslims. Their ideology is that we need to overturn all of the Muslim rulers, capture control of Mecca and Medina, and establish control over that land. This is, this is the only way we can establish a Khilafah. This is the real thinking of these people when you look into their statements, their books, and their writings, and so on. This is what their real goal is. As for non-Muslims, non-Muslims in their view, they see that the non-Muslim armies are simply meddling in their goal. Their goal is to slaughter Muslims, uh, revolt against the rulers, remove the rulers, <coughs> establish their Islamic state as they, as they see it. And it just so happens that non-Muslims unfortunately are just meddling in the Middle East and stopping them from pursuing their own goals. And so because of that, they've started doing acts of terrorism in the Western world. And had there been no meddling by the Western powers in the Muslim lands, these people would have continued unhampered in their evil, despicable goals and continue slaughtering the Muslims who are their primary targets in any case. Right? So, this is what the ideology of these people is founded upon. Uh, as the Messenger said, that they kill the people of Islam. They kill the people of Islam. Number nine, they accuse Muslims of disbelief on, amount, on, on account of matters that are not even disbelief. You give a present to a non-Muslim. Ah, you've now become a disbeliever because you have now allied with a non-Muslim. This is the, the, the ignorance of these people. Right? You have not migrated to us. Why are you not migrating to us in our land? It means you must be content with disbelief. Therefore, you are an apostate. Making judgments of disbelief upon Muslims for things which are not even disbelief. Because of the severity of their ignorance. They would... Another of their traits, they would violate the rights of those who are protected by Islam, meaning Jews and Christians and other than them, from the non-Muslims who live amongst the Muslims. These people, they would go out, as is mentioned here about them, that um, they, as Ali said about them, that Ali sent his army to fight the Khawarij only after they began to spill blood, and they began to kill the non-Muslims who were under guarantee of protection. This is another one of their traits, that they kill non-Muslims who have guarantee of protection in the Muslim lands. That's what they did, and Ali only sent his army against them once they began to spill Muslim blood and the blood of non-Muslims who had the right of protection. Likewise, we see today, what you see today, these people, what they are doing, they find a non-Muslim journalist happening, you know, 
in Syria, in Iraq, whatever else it might be. Or he's just doing his job and they will chop off his head. What's the crime of this journalist? So these are barbarians. Number 12, whatever number I'm up to now, I can't remember. Number 12. Huh? Number 10. The scholars explain, Ibn Kathir said, and uh, Al-Zahabi and Ibn Sa'd, these are all famous Muslim historians, they basically said in a nutshell, that those who revolted against the, 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 the companions, they were the dregs of society. Dregs of society. Ruffians, brainless savages, and ignorant masses. These were the people making up the Khawarij. Now what do you see today, my dear brothers and sisters? You see a man, he's selling drugs for, you know, for a pastime, and he's in, engaged in all sorts of unla- unlawful activities, living a life of crime. And then all of a sudden, he becomes recruited by these people, and these people say, you evil, despicable, filthy man, you're an apostate, what are you doing? You need to enter into Islam. And you need to come and join us and make jihad in the path of Allah. And so they rely upon this ignorance of these people who've lived a life of crime. They come into Islam for a short period and then they exit out of Islam because they enter into the ideology of the Khawarij. And this is the exact explanation of the scholars of that very hadith when the Prophet said, they leave Islam as the arrow leaves the uh, as the arrow passes through the game so when we look at the statements of the scholars they say what this means is that these people they enter into islam for a small tiny moment and then they immediately pass out of islam and when the arrow comes out of its game there's nothing of the animal that's, that comes with the arrow meaning that nothing of the religion remains with them they pass straight through it this is the meaning of the tradition of the Prophet, peace be upon him, about these people, that they, that they, that they leave Islam. The, the Islam, first of all, the, 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 the faith doesn't enter their hearts to begin with. And secondly, they leave Islam as the arrow passes through the game. So, these are the people they, they, that you find amongst them, the dregs, the dregs, the ruffians, the, the ignorant masses. Uh, Okay, there are many more other points. Uh, I'll mention some of the sects very, very briefly. Uh, so these groups that appeared, the Khawarij, these are some of their traits. They split into a number of different groups. These are some of the groups. First group, the Azariqah. These people, this group, said it was permissible to kill the wives and the children of Muslims. And they also considered it permissible to violate contracts. It's okay to violate your contracts. Now think about this idea here, because this idea, this is what they push to Muslims. They say to you, look, you can violate your contracts. You don't have to abide by the contracts with, with, with the non-Muslim governments you're living under. This is, this is permissible. This idea is not from Islam. This is from the Khawarij, from these evil barbarians. In Islam, it is obligatory to respect your contracts, to abide by your contracts. And to honor your contracts, this is from the greatest principles of Islam, which Islam has enjoined. Treachery was never ever, the Messenger never ever broke a single covenant of his. Treachery is not from the way of the Muslimin. But, they, but this sect, 
they go out and they, they say it's permissible. Why? Because these are people are at war with Islam. These people, this, these people, that. Look at the Prophet ﷺ. In the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, where the agreement was between the Prophet ﷺ and the polytheists of Quraysh, the agreement was that if a Muslim leaves Mecca and flees to Medina, he has to come back. But if a polytheist leaves Medina and goes to Mecca, the Muslims cannot have him back. Right Now this contract that was there for a period of like 10 years, it seems to be against the interests of the Muslims. How can you not allow Muslims who are being persecuted in Mecca to come and flee to Medina? But the Prophet ﷺ, he made this treaty and he abided by this treaty to a degree that one man, he, as the treaty was being made, it had just been written, this man came, he just fled Mecca to come to his family. And as soon as the treaty had been written, the Prophet ﷺ said, this man has to go back. And the man protested. He said, how can you send me back? I'm being persecuted. The Prophet, the Prophet ﷺ said, this man has to go back. And he was sent back. This is the honoring of the treaties. This is honoring of covenants. This is what the Muslims have been commanded with. But this evil sect, they promote this idea that, you, that it's allowed to violate the contracts. You can commit crime to do this and do that. This is evil, my dear brothers and sisters. This is not from the traits of the believers. This is not from the traits of the Muslims. This is from the traits of the hypocrites to break and violate contracts. Another group was the Najad, the, the Najadat, as they call them. They made it permissible to kill a non-Muslim who is under protection, who is under you know, a, a covenant and agreement with the Muslims, and to steal and take their wealth. Some of this group even believe that you can use deception in your speech, in your behavior. This is what the Khawarij do. They use deception and hypocrisy in their behavior. Likewise, there was another group called the Baha, uh, the Baha, uh, the Bahaisia, or the, the Bahaisites in, in English. They said that when the ruler becomes an apostate, everyone underneath him also becomes an apostate. And this is where this ideology that you find, like which appeared in Egypt and in Algeria in the 1990s and before that, where uh, you know the, these terrorist groups began to uh, kill innocent Muslims and slaughter whole villages. Why? Because these people did not did not show loyalty to them, but remained under the government, which to them had become an apostate. Right. So this is another group, the Ajarida, another group of the uh, Khawarij. They made it permissible to com- to perform assassinations of people, to assassinate the rulers, to enslave women, to enslave children, to kill non-Muslims. Obviously. All Muslims to them are non-Muslims to, to begin with. Right? So these are some of the uh, groups and some of the sects. And um, now obviously, uh, because of the shortage of time, um, I want to quickly finish by explaining that this ideology in the 20th century, where it came from, and because as we know already in the prophetic traditions, that these people will not go away. This ideology will not go away. Rather, this ideology will continue to appear up until the Antichrist appears and he will appear amongst the armies of these barbarians. So from so think about this. They appeared in the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him. They challenged the integrity of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Then they came out in the time of Uthman and they murdered Uthman, the leader of the Islamic State. 
They cast doubt upon the integrity of the Prophet, the leader of the Islamic State. They assassinated Uthman. Then they assassinated Ali, the leader of the Islamic State. Then they tried to assassinate Muawiyah in Syria and Amr bin al-As in Egypt and they failed because they wanted to destroy all of the, the Muslim rulers and they failed to do that. Then they dispersed in the various lands in Syria, in Iraq, in Oman, in Egypt from where the seeds of this evil ideology has continued to appear and disappear and appear and disappear and appear and disappear through time. Exactly as the messenger said, that every time they come, they will be cut off. Every time they come, they will be cut off. He mentioned it 20 times. Then he said, until they appear in the midst of the Dajjal. Which means this ideology will not disappear, even if the Khawarij are destroyed each time they appear. So in the 20th century, I will just mention to you briefly, um, four or five names. And the first name, the first individual is Jamaluddin al-Afghani. Jamaluddin al-Afghani. He is a Shiite pretending to be from Afghan in the 19th century. This man, he wrote in one of his books, he revived this idea that Muawiyah and Uthman were unjust, tyrannical rulers who were committing social injustice. And that the first socialist was Abu Dhar, Abu Dhar, one of the companions. So he framed Islamic history in the same way as the Khawarij who appeared against the Prophet, against the companions, against Uthman, against Muawiyah. And he framed it in the same way as do socialists, Marxists and communists. So this idea first was first found in his book in the 1800s, whatever it was. Then came Maududi from Pakistan. In his books, he's writing the same poison that Uthman was guilty of injustice. Uthman was guilty of this, guilty of that. Muawiyah was guilty of this, guilty of that. Spreading the same poison that we see from the very first Khawarij. Then came Said Qutb, the Egyptian. He developed this poison more elaborately. And he gave it a detailed treatment in his books. He basically said that um, Uthman was guilty of nepotism and so on and so forth and creating social injustice and class separation and hoarding wealth and favoring his relatives. And then Muawiyah, in fact about Muawiyah and his parents Abu Sufyan, he expelled them from Islam. He said they're not, they're not Muslims. Banu Umayyah, meaning the tribe of Uthman and Muawiyah, and, and the, the, they are not even Muslims. He expelled them from Islam. And he basically encouraged a you know, he said that the revolution that was made by those hypocrites against Uthman was a true Islamic revolution. So this poison is in the books of Sayyid Qutb. And then also, you see the leader and the founder of Hizbut Tahrir, Taqyuddin al-Nabahani, in his books he puts the same poison. He starts attacking Muawiyah. Muawiyah was not even a companion. Can you see the, the basic ideology, how it's the same? All of them are treating Muawiyah, Uthman, guilty of certain things. They put this ideology in their books. They, came, they gave it like a socialist, Marxist, communist angle. And then they uh, uh, encouraged revolutions in the Muslim lands. Alright, so if you look at all of these people, Jamaluddin al-Afghani, Maududi, Sayyid Qutb, Nabahani, all of them are speaking about 
wrestling with the rulers, removing the rulers, that they've committed injustice and they are apostates and disbelievers and need to be removed and Islam cannot be established unless we remove them and establish the Khilafah and this and this and this. It's the same ideological rhetoric that you found in the minds and hearts of those evil barbarians, the Khawarij, the very first Khawarij. All of that is the same ideology, the same rhetoric, the same foundations, the same principles. It's exactly the same. So these people are the ones who are behind Al-Qaeda and after them ISIS, the Muslim Brotherhood, and then Al-Qaeda and then ISIS. The roots of their doctrines are in the books of Sayyid Qutb. They are not in the books of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. They are not in the books of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab. This is really for ignorant people to buy this nonsense. Because whoever looks in the books of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah will find such a detailed, robust, emphatic refutation of these people and describing them in the worst of terms. Whoever looks into the books of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab and all the scholars after him, in fact I have a whole thesis, I have a four, five, six hundred page book just on the refutations of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab and his offspring on the likes of these people and their ideology and their evil. So this narrative that you see out there, it is a narrative for people who don't read, who don't understand, who don't have any academic capacity, but they have their own goals and agendas to push this evil narrative that it is the Salafis who are behind extremism and terrorism. This is batil, this is false. Who are the leaders of the Salafis? The companions of the Prophet. Who revolted against them? The Khawarij. They're the ones who killed Ali. They're the ones who killed Uthman. And today... When you look at the Khawarij today, when you look at the books that they are reading, they are reading milestones of Sayyid Qutb. This is what they are reading. They are reading uh, the Al-Hukumatul uh, Islamiya, uh, the Islamic government of Taqyuddin and Nabahani, the founder of Hizb al-Tahrir. This is what they are reading. They are reading the books of Maududi. They are reading the books of Abu Qatada. They are reading the books of, um, what's the other one called? Maqdisi. Um, Abu Muhammad al-Maqdisi. These are the books they are reading. This is where they get, they're getting this ideology from. It is not from the books of Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah, nor from the Salafi scholars. As you can see, if you read the books of the Salafi scholars, Shaykh ibn Thaymeen, Shaykh ibn Baz, in fact, no one has refuted these people consistently and emphatically in the manner that these scholars have refuted these people. This is why everyone today in the Western world who is speaking against the Khawarij, where is he getting his information from? I'll tell you he's getting his information from the Salafi scholars. That's where he's getting his information from. How is he refuting the doubts? How is he demolishing the arguments? Where is it coming from? I will tell you it is coming from the books of the Salafi scholars as a matter of fact. As a matter of fact. So, with that, um, I have a lot more to go through, but obviously uh, time uh, does not allow me. And this is really, really is a crucial, crucial uh, subject that we must give importance to in this time. I want to finish uh, just by reading to you the uh, uh, statement of one scholar, Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al Uthaymeen, to show to you how Muslims behave in non-Muslim lands and how they vi and how they respect uh, contracts and treaties. Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al Uthaymeen. This was a telelink he did in the year two thousand in Birmingham in front of a few thousand people. And we asked him for some advice. Our brother Abdul Ila rang the Sheikh up and he said, give us some advice, we have a gathering. 
So the Sheikh said, he said, I invite you to have respect for those people who have the right that they should be respected, meaning the non-Muslims in the land you are living. For between you and them, there is an agreement of protection, meaning they have given you an agreement of protection, meaning that you are walking in this land under guarantee of protection from, the, from, these, from these people, from the government, from, the, from this country. You can walk the streets safe. You can drive on the road safe. You can conduct business and trade safe. There's an agreement of protection that they have given to you. If this was not the case, they would have killed you or expelled you, which they clearly haven't done. So preserve this agreement and do not prove treacherous to it, since treachery is a sign of the hypocrites. This is why all of these activities of these evil people who are calling to the madhab of the khawarij, whether they are Hizbut Tahrir, whether they are Al-Qaeda, whether they are Al-Muhajirun, all of these people, are treacherous. they are treacherous to Islam. They are, tre- they are disobedient to Allah. They are disobedient to the Messenger. They are treacherous to Islam because they are violating contracts. For this is a sign of the hypocrites and it is not from the way of the believers. And know that it is authentically reported from the Prophet, peace be upon him, that he said, whoever kills a person who is under an agreement of protection, meaning a non-Muslim, he will not smell the fragrance of paradise. Do not be fooled by those sayings of those foolish people who say that these people are non-Muslims. So their wealth is all is lawful for us to take. That we can take and misappropriate their wealth. For by Allah this is a lie. It is a lie about Allah's religion and a lie about Islamic societies. We may not say that it is treach- that it is lawful to be treacherous towards the people with whom we have an agreement. O oh my brothers, O oh youth, O oh Muslims, be truthful in your buying, in your selling, in your renting, in your leasing, in all mutual transactions, because truthfulness is from the characteristics of the believers. And Allah has commanded truthfulness when He said, O oh you who believe, Keep your duty to Allah and be with the truthful. وَكُونُوا مَعَ الصَّادِقِينَ Be with the truthful. And the Prophet encouraged truthfulness. And he said, Adhere to truthfulness because truthfulness leads to goodness. And goodness leads to paradise. And a person will continue to be truthful and strive to be truthful until he is written down with Allah as a truthful person. And he said, Beware of falsehood, of lying. Because lying leads to wickedness. And wickedness leads to the fire, and a person continues to lie until he is written down with Allah as a liar. O Muslims, be true in your sayings with your brothers, with those non-Muslims who you will live amongst, so that you will be invited to the religion of Islam by your actions and in reality. So how many people there are who first entered into Islam because of the behavior and the manners of the Muslims, and their truthfulness, and their being true in their dealings. The whole of Malaysia... And the whole of Indonesia became Muslim without even a single Arab sitting land in those lands because of what they experienced from the Muslims of their character and their truthfulness and their dealings. Do you think that if the Malaysian people and the Indonesian people saw Islam in the form of the Khawarij, of these barbarians, do you think that they would accept Islam? Of course not. So from this, my dear brothers and sisters, we have to uh, ensure that we, our children, the people in our society, in, under our influence, are not allowed to listen to this rhetoric, this poisonous, evil rhetoric 
And all of this comes through education, and it comes through knowledge, and it comes through sticking to the bona fide scholars. Because these people have no scholars. Stick to the bona fide scholars who are upon this, this way, this, this, this clear path, and you will not be misguided, inshallah ta'ala. And so I will leave the, uh, I will end there, inshallah ta'ala, to allow our brother Abu Mu'adh Taqweem to uh, give his uh, kalima, inshallah ta'ala. And we ask Allah for tawfiq, we ask Allah for success, and we ask Allah for firmness and guidance. And it is upon every Muslim to do his duty to speak against these people, to speak against their evil, and not to allow them to malign Islam and the Muslims and the reputation of the Muslims because this is a great injustice. Because we see that there are many non-Muslims who look upon this and they, they see that this, this is what Islam is about and this is the greatest lie as you have seen, that these people are fundamentally at war with Islam. And this is the this is the reality. Wa billahi tawfiq walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.